We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome to Overnight America, the last day of the week, at least for us here on Overnight America. Oh, man, I need it. It's been a wild last couple of months. It feels like we may be getting past some of the thickest of the weeds. And now we find ourselves trying to put everything behind us with everything else that's going on in the world. We got some great guests that's coming on the show tonight, including one guest in the 10 o'clock hour, Dr. Augusto Lopez Carlos, uh, Claros, excuse me, international economist. And he's also with the World Bank, and he's an author of a book called Global Governance. We had a person on Facebook message me, a listener of the show, which you can do this too, Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook. And he said, I would love to talk about this issue. And I started looking around and I thought, okay, who am I going to talk to for this global governance? As in, do we need international bodies to dictate the things we do here? And is that going to be the push in the future? Should we do something like that? Well, as it turns out, uh, Dr. Lopez Claros believes, yes, it should be. I think, no, it should not be. So he's going to come on and spend an hour. And I feel like we're going to debate a lot of topics that he wrote a book out. So he's going to be much more prepared than I am. So we'll let him have his say. I don't think he'll convince me of anything, but it'll be a good hour, mostly because I know when a listener messages me, at least if one person does it, there's probably a lot of people interested in that, too. A little bit later this hour, we're going to do a little uh, flashback into the KMOX archives. And listeners loved this before. Wolfman Jack would have turned 83 years old today. So to honor good old Wolfman Jack, I'm not going to do the Wolfman Wrecker at least uh, now I'm not. And we're going to re-air that interview with uh, Charlie Brennan and Wolfman Jack back in 1995. This would have been just a few weeks before Wolfman Jack passed away. It's a shame because that autobiography came out and he passed away shortly after. But I guess in a way, we're kind of lucky that all of those stories were documented before it was too late. So I saw this when it comes to the coronavirus. I think AP is one who's reporting this, but there's others too. I saw NPR says current deadly U.S. coronavirus surge has peaked, researchers say. And the devastating fall and winter wave of coronavirus infections that is causing so much misery across the U.S. appears to have finally peaked. Uh, another surge remains possible with a new, more infectious variant. But luckily, over in the U.K., when they've studied this, it looks like the vaccines that are already available 
are pretty resilient against the new strain. So that's a big plus. You would hope that would be the case. It says, well, hospitals are still being overwhelmed. The number of patients also have reached a peak and began to decline, which is a good thing. So when you hear the stories at the top of the hour there with President Biden, oh, it's so bad, but, you know, I'm going to make it all better. Well, no, that's just the ebbs and flows that happens with this virus. And considering that we got that vaccine out in lightning speed, it's pretty remarkable that any of that was uh even available to begin with and how worse would it have been if we wouldn't have um, at least started this process, getting these vaccines out, going into another summer where there was nothing available other than our understanding of how to fight this thing without it. So here we go. This is all right. Good news there. And I saw this. Can I just say this real quick? Can I also point out some of the legislators that have the most restrictions on the coronavirus seem to be the ones that are quick to violate them. California and Governor Newsom was a great example of that. You saw Nancy Pelosi going to get her hair cut and stuff. There's all these other examples of it. So one of the first priorities of President Joe Biden was to sign that executive order to make sure that you have to wear a mask whenever you're on federal property. You have to. It's a mask mandate. Anytime you're on federal property, you have to wear a mask. And then he's spotted without a mask on federal property. If you're going to go anywhere and you're going to be the one to initiate this and sign it, then you do it, right? Of course not. Why is it that so many times the ones that are pushing for the most restrictions are the ones that break it themselves and then say, no, 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 I'm doing this. You know, listen, I've done all these other good things. It, that was even brought up from earlier today as part of the press conference um, when they were discussing this here. Uh, I think it was from Fox News. He was actually the one that brought this up and questioned them. Why weren't President Biden and all members of the Biden family masked at all times on federal lands last night if he signed an executive order that mandates masks on federal lands at all times? At the inaugural memorial, yes. I, I think, Steve, he was celebrating uh, an evening of uh, a, a historic day in our country. And so oh, great news. So if you're out celebrating, it's OK to break the rules that you sign. Obviously, you're above it as president of the United States, right? Certainly, he signed the mask mandate because it's a way to send a message to the American public about the importance of uh, wearing masks, how it can save tens of thousands of lives. We take a number of COVID precautions, as you know here, in terms of testing, social distancing, mask wearing ourselves, as, as we do every single day. But I don't know that I have more for you on it than that. But yeah. Here's here's all you got to say. Um, there's a few things. Number one, we understand that if you have strict regulations like this, it's not always going to be necessary, but it's more of a blanket thing. But instead of saying that, because th I mean, honestly, is anyone looking at that and saying, OK, he was standing by himself at the Lincoln Memorial. Oh, he was such a big danger to everyone. No, of course, no one's thinking that no one would have looked at it and said, oh, boy, he's going to. He's going to spread it. He's going to get it because he's wearing a mask and no one's within 20 feet of him. It's for a, a photograph. No, no one thought that. But if you're going to be the one to sign the order, you have to be the one to obey by the order. And if you're going to give everyone else a hard time and hassle them because of this, then, OK, you better believe that you, too, should be criticized when you break your own rule. Remember when uh, in Gavin Newsom over in California? He signs this, oh, can't eat indoors, can't eat outdoors, can't do any of this. And there he is having a big celebration where there's like 100 people inside, including those and in part of the health uh, advisors that are in there. And then he says, no, 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 that, no, no. And he lied about it. Then later they put the photographs out. Very embarrassing. But this happens all the time. They'll, they'll sign these things and then they'll go and break them.
They don't abide by their own regulations. Who knows if they actually believe in them? If it's just a thing about trying to control the population, um, maybe just be outright with it. But if you're saying that I'm above the rule, then, you know, that's the that's what you're setting. That's the precedent. That's the image that you're giving. But as uh, Joe Biden often talks about, uh, it is not just important the uh, example of power, but the power of our example. Was that a good example for people who are watching who might not pay attention uh, normally? Well, Steve, I think uh, the power of his example is also uh, the message he sends by sign signing 25 executive orders, including um, almost half of them related to COVID, uh, the requirements that we're all under every single day here to ensure we're sending that message to the public. Yesterday was a historic moment in our history. He was inaugurated as president of the United States. He was surrounded by his family. We take a number of precautions, but I don't think I think we have big bigger issues to, to worry about at this moment in time. Ooh, see, he's done everything else. So he's allowed to disobey his own uh, executive order. Give me a break. So is this order going to be used to prosecute other people? If that's a good question, are you going to use that as a way to fine or discriminate against other people when you yourself are disobeying it? <laughs> I think, if anything, it's just another example of how these loose and very arbitrary rules have been abused by people of power. And for some reason, they feel they're above it. And again, the answer from the press secretary there makes it sound like because he's done all these other good things, he is above it. <laughs> you can overlook this thing. All right, whatever. Then why sign it to begin with? When we come back, there's a few other things I want to get to. And I wanted to mention that uh, the United States has put back support against the World Health or into the World Health Organization. So what does that mean? And Lindsey Graham had a message for Amazon who may have been holding out during the Trump administration when it comes to the distribution of vaccines. We're going to talk about that, too. It's Overnight America KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Welcome back. It's Overnight America in our interview, at least from the KMOX archives with Charlie Brennan and Wolfman Jack will be up in a little over 10 minutes from now. We'll do that after the weather. And it's such a good thing. And I've aired this a few times on the show. And every time we do it, we get such positive feedback. I thought, why not do it today, which would have been his 83rd birthday. He was born in 1938, January 21st. It'll be a good reminder of the talent that is Wolfman Jack and all the great radio stories. Where he even talks about KMOX. It's kind of cool that happens, right? Uh, so we have all kinds of other guests that are lined up. We'll have someone who's a litigation counsel for the new Civil Liberties Alliance talking about the power of the CDC. Are they overreaching in some of their regulations when it comes to uh, things they can and can't do regarding the coronavirus? And then later, too, Dr. Jesty is joining us. He's an author of Wiser. It's the roots of wisdom, compassion, and what makes us good. Something non-political. So we'll spend some time with him talking about becoming wiser. And then I told you to the global governance. Someone that's advocating for that's joining us and we'll discuss. 314-436-7900. Uh, before we move on, let's take Mike real quick. Welcome to Overnight America. I just wonder if this is how it's going to be for the next four years. That anytime anybody makes one little slip up, one little mistake, we're going to nitpick. We have bigger mm -hmm. fish to fry than if somebody says, hey, you should do that and you don't do it. Let he who is without sin cast the first stone. This is hey, well, no, 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 this stop. Is pause. Petty. This is not this is not sin. But what I'm saying is life would have been so much better the last four years if we were abiding by that rule. 
so much easier. If you think this is bad, <laughs> if, what do you think would have happened if it was during the Trump administration, honestly? It was during the Trump administration. What, you think that they would have just lit this as a, you know, a small little deal? No, it was blatant uh, you know, disregard for health and, and well, welfare of, the, of their, your fellow citizens. What, not wearing a mask at the Lincoln Memorial? No, I don't think people care about this. I think the point is they're just pointing out that immediately your number one priority is to make sure people on federal land wear masks at all times. And then you go and disobey your own order. I think we look at this and say, uh, this is more a reason to look at just how ridiculous some of these restrictions are to begin with. I think that's the point I'm making. And most people are. Well, you probably think it's okay to shout fire in a crowded theater, too. So uh, there's no sense in, in carrying this on further. Okay, thanks, Mike. That might be the dumbest thing anyone said in the past two weeks on the show. So thanks for that. And what a great way to end the week. I was earlier today, I was on with the uh, Dave Glover show. And he said, wow, you are so patient with your callers. And I said, yeah, you know, I I try to uh, bring up points to make them sound dumb with their own comments when it's needed. And I thought I did that with Mike. However, he did not catch on, which I believe is just par for the course for him. But that's okay. I'll just use this opportunity to insult him now. And I think that trying to go out and say, are we going to nitpick all these little things? Man, I wish the past four years wasn't four years of nitpicking over every single stupid thing that uh, came up. And even little, I mean, every little thing about the Trump administration was nitpicked, but it was amplified about 100 times over by every news outlet. And they made it look like it was an impeachable offense. Like they, this is what would have happened. Pelosi would have been out and said the oh, the, the president, uh, Donald Trump, is so reckless and he needs to be impeached over this because he can't put on a mask in front of a give me a break. So that's exactly what would have happened. And I'm all I'm pointing out is I think people look at that. And they are very quick to note that it's stupid to say that if you are 20 feet away from someone outdoors, I mean, keep in mind this open air area, if you're 20 feet away from someone and you don't have a mask on, the fact that there is a government order that could, number one, command you to put it on, but number two, punish you if you don't, is ridiculous and stupid. And we're also finding a lot of these different orders in states that have come up to be counterproductive. Now, even the San Francisco gate, now keep in mind, they're not a conservative newspaper by any means, put out a report and they said the the, uh, restrictions, the over-restriction did more harm than good. More harm than good. And we're seeing why in California when they still can't figure this out while they put on every restriction they can think of under the sun. And still they have all of these problems with the coronavirus and they're realizing that it was counterproductive based on these things. But all right. Let's see. Uh, Let's go to Jim. Welcome to Overnight America. Yeah, you were talking about this uh, mayor uh, in Detroit. Kwame Kilpatrick, yes. So yeah. he was someone that was pardoned by Donald Trump or commuted his sentence, yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't see any difference between him and uh, Trump and anybody Kwame Kilpatrick else. And, uh, okay, so you think that him and the, the former mayor of Detroit and Donald Trump are one and the same? Why? Because yeah. all the different stuff that they did that was bad and wrong. Oh, so they both did bad and wrong things. All right. Thanks, Jim. It's such a wow. Your analysis is so profound. I was thinking to myself, I really needed someone to tell me they both did stuff. 
wow, you really changed my view on all on everything. Is that going to be the night we're having here? Why is it that early? I mean, literally within hours ago, I was on our sister station, 97.1, and Dave Glover said, you're so nice to your callers. How do you do it when they sound so dumb? And literally, I said, no, it's it's OK. You know, I, I don't mind having disagreements. And then the first two callers out of the shoot today, <laughs> I, I completely changed my tone on these things. I can't help it. <laughs> Let me just say this. If you're going to call into a radio station and you think you're going to say something that is just so remarkable. Oh, man, they're going to bow down to me and think of me as if I was a god by saying both of them are bad. You got to come up with better things than that. All right. You got to come up. You, you got to prepare what you're going to say. You can't just come up with lazy stuff like that and think it's going to fly. All right. <sighs> this is a great way to start the weekend, too. I just want to get it all out of my system now. Let's go to Gary. Welcome to Overnight America. <laughs> Hi, Gary. Are you there? <laughs> I hope I do better than the other guys. You're going to do fine. I'm sure of it. <laughs> All right, what's going on? No, uh, you were, you know, preview. You did the uh, thing with the press conference about wearing masks and everything else. Like that, yeah. A friend of mine showed me this morning a little clip about, uh, you know, part of the press conference where a reporter was asking the press secretary if Biden is going to change the scheme on Air Force One. <laughs> right, it was I saw approved that yesterday. by Trump. Mm-hmm. And I'm going like, where are they getting the reporters? <laughs> and not only can she not answer the question because she doesn't even know what's going on. It's been the scheme for how many airplanes? Yeah. But uh, but uh, well, where did they get was the, the original air? I was going to say the original Air Force One. The it was outdated. You know, they they keep modifying it and trying to keep it up to date. But it was such a older plane. It was time for us to consider an upgrade, which is a good thing that they did that. Now, keep in mind, that was another thing. One of the first things that President Trump did when he was in the uh, office, he said, well, hey, we're going to contact Boeing and these companies that produce these for us. And he said, we need to get the price down on these. This is way too much money. I bought planes before and apparently it worked. Right. So he was able to negotiate a better price for it. And that was one of the things that people mentioned about him. Sometimes all you had to do was pick up the phone and ask, hey, why is this so expensive? Can we do something better? And then people will do it for you. So uh, that's number one. Number two, if they want a different paint scheme, I guess, um, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's not a, It's not like a big deal. It's kind of a fluff deal um, to, to bring that up. Like, And that's a, the same thing. The press secretary goes up and says, this is such a great question. Oh, man, I was really thinking about this. Like it was the most influential uh, moment of the entire press conference. So, yeah, they, they really and, uh, played that off like it was just such a big deal. And my quote, and my big hesitancy is that they had Air Force One back in the latter 50s that I know of because even when uh, John Kennedy got assassinated, his body was carried by Air Force One, yeah, and it was the same scheme. It wasn't approved by Trump. It was the same scheme as everybody else. Different playing. But, yeah, when know. I heard that, I got to say, Gary, I didn't really look into it. I thought, all right, whatever. <laughs> That's, my life can go on without knowing that there's a different color scheme inside of uh, Air Force One. It, it didn't really um, affect me whatsoever. And it's funny that this is a story, really. If anything, it's just another fluff piece. It shows you that I think the, the press 
inside of that room treat the Trump administration much differently than they now treat the Biden administration. But thank you for your call. I, I'm glad you pointed that out. That's actually pretty funny. Let's go to Grant. Welcome to Overnight America. Hey, what's going on, Ryan? Looks Hi. like you're uh, scraping the bottom of the intellect barrel with your first couple calls here tonight. <laughs> well, but listen, hey, I, you know. I, I, I normally don't purposely try to insult callers unless they call That's in okay. and you try don't to pull to, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but the, no, unless um, they pull something like that, if they want to come in and, and try to you know, try to shoot their shot on something like that, then fine. I'll, I'll shoot back. But that's that's uh, over now. But go ahead, Grant. Oh, man, those were blanks. But, um, <laughs> you know, the thing that I would uh, I really want to bring up today is. Senator Marjorie Green and her. Idiocy of bringing forth impeachment papers on Biden already. Mm -hmm. I think that that is just absolutely ridiculous. And I I just don't, I mean, the GOP has abandoned a lot of people as it is anyways, but I, I think that we're better than that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe I hold them to a higher standard than I probably should, but I just was not impressed with her, coming out and doing that i was it just didn't it's 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 kind of worthless um even trying to set a statement or whatever it may be to try to make a name for yourself through legislation that really doesn't have any merit is kind of you know that's that's the game plan that we saw with pelosi every every time they could get the opportunity to talk impeachment they would and we thought okay whatever um, so to, to try to use it in this way, it's like, man, it was, it, it was kind of like gross then. And it's still gross now. It's, it's just trying to play with something that's a serious matter, but use it in a non-serious way. I think if we sit back and do a little bit more observing of what's going on, being able to point out actual issues that need to be addressed like these executive orders that are getting signed, the wiping out of jobs, you know, Canada's getting, you know, PO'd about the fact that the Keystone XL, you know, there's other things that we can direct attention to uh, as a nation, left or right, and debate the real things. Right. No, you're right. Yeah, this is not productive. There's nothing that's going to come from this. And really, it's just if you're using it as a way to hold things up, it's it's not good when your side does it. It's not good when the other side does it. It's, it's very true. Thanks, Grant. I appreciate it. What I think is that if you're going to use this as the way it was intended, as a serious mechanism in the Constitution, then you have to treat it seriously. But we don't. It's like, you know, it's like playing around with a gun without taking safety classes first. It's, you know, it's it's dangerous in a way that, you know, um, bad things could come from it. And, but then again, that's probably not the best analogy. I'm thinking <laughs> that's probably not the best one. No, it's, 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 it's watering down something that is meant to be a very serious issue. And it's been watered down so much. And it's even been watered down this last impeachment that they put for Donald Trump, watered down, watered down. And that's all we do. There used to be a time where people would take this sort of thing seriously, but not anymore. Is a sad indication of where we may be going with this. All right, when we come back, and thanks for all those calls there, <laughs> good and bad. And I wanted to replay an interview from 1995. Charlie Brennan, 
who hosts uh, the Charlie Brennan show earlier. Uh, I don't know if he mentioned this, but this is one of his great interviews that was back in the archives. And lucky for me to have a copy of it when he had the chance to interview the one and only Wolfman Jack. And this was just a few weeks, if not a few days before the Wolfman passed away. It was right after his autobiography came out. So we're going to replay that interview coming up next after the weather to honor him, which would have been his 83rd birthday. This is Overnight America KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. News Radio 1120 KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Welcome back to Overnight America. Ryan Recker Radio on Facebook if you want to find me there. And for a while, I thought that there was a possibility I could do a show as Wolfman Recker. And then I realized just after doing the Wolfman voice for all of 20 seconds, it pretty much blew out my vocal cords. And imagine trying to do that for four hours, so we'll have to pass. Today, Wolfman Jack would have been 83 years old. He was born January 21st, 1938. One of the greatest radio personalities of all time, probably one of the most mimicked and thought of when you think about those classic radio DJs. And it was just so that in 1995, a few weeks before he died, that he picked up the phone and was promoting his latest book, his autobiography, to Charlie Brennan here on KMOX. I had a chance to read that biography. It was really good. I I learned a lot about him and the crazy antics and things that went on in his career and life. And since it would have been his 83rd birthday today, and last time we aired this, we had a great fan reaction. Let's do it again tonight. Here is Charlie Brennan's interview with Wolfman Jack, recorded just a couple of weeks before he passed away in 1995. I'm great of our business. Maybe the best disc jockey from the past 30 years. You loved him in American Graffiti, the Midnight Special, and, of course, on the 250,000-watt blowtorch, uh, blowtorch XERB from Mexico, Ladies and gentlemen, Wolfman Jack hey. on KMOX. All right, how you doing, man? Great, how you doing, Wolfman? Is this the Kevin and Charles show? It sure the is. Morning meeting? Yes, it is, sir. All right, have mercy. Great to have me with you. Who would ever have thought that Wolfman Jack would appear on the Mighty Mox? Well, this is hey. a talk station. 
Well, you know, the, the KKM on X is one of those legendary radio stations that really used to play the big hits all the time, too, you know. Yeah, but we only have 20% of those 250,000 watts that you had in Mexico. Yeah, but you guys really, you're, you used to be St. Louis, man. Oh, still are. I know. I'm just saying that that's, it's great to be with you, man. Well, uh, what was, uh, you know, 250,000 watts, did you have to drive down there to broadcast? Well, it was a funny thing. What uh, the station was totally self, you know, took care of itself. They had their own generator plant. There wasn't enough electricity in the town of Viacunia to supply electricity to the transmitter. So they had to have their own transmitter, uh, their own uh, diesel engine that the diesel truck would come in every day, you know, and fill up the tanks. And we burned it all out in one night. And they had this big, big thing, looked like two locomotive engines together made a hell of a noise, so we had to keep it. The building was like uh, 500 yards from the actual other building, so you wouldn't hear it. And then the transmitter was a real real, real piece of machinery in itself. Uh, it was actually built to generate like a million watts, and they had these gigantic driver tubes in it that cost like a million bucks a piece. This is back in 62 now. And... Uh, it was originally built by the uh, people, the RCA people, for the Voice of America. And there's a whole thing I tell you about in the book on how uh, this guy, Arturo Gonzalez, got them to build this thing, and then he never paid them for it. And then there's a whole thing that went on about that. And then the reason I got to take the station over is because that uh, Mr. Gonzalez had run a scam on these preachers where... All these guys were on, like, say, from 7 to midnight. They would be on for, like, 15-minute stretches apiece. And he charged them, like, a million dollars for a lifetime contract, you know. <laughs> and then there was, a, there was a clause in the contract down the bottom there that said, if the station is ever taken over by the Mexican government, you know, this contract is null and void. Well, what happened is he got all this money from these preachers and gave these lifetime contracts. And then he never paid any taxes. And, you know, Mexico is a very socialistic type country where, you know, they pay for all your dental work and Medicare and everything. And he never paid anything for like four years. So he ran up like a million and a half dollar bill with him. So they finally sent in their own interventor, which is like the receiver, to take care of the running of the radio station and also collecting the money so they would get their money. So it kind of like put Gonzalez out of the picture but he was really still running the thing because he was the one who appointed the receiver. Now, I showed up on the scene just when they were having trouble with this guy, Montes, who was the receiver. And he was a real thrilling type of a crook, you know, the Humphrey Bogart type who was beating up the people in the station. And he wasn't paying them the money and he was pocketing money himself. Everybody was ripping off the radio station. And when I showed up, I, I showed up in the middle of the night one time. And it's all in a book. And uh, this guy, Mario Alfaro, who was, who was the only one that could speak English, I told him that I would help him out, and I'd give him money, and i have that money on me then, and i spread around a few hundred-dollar bills, and everybody started to like me. So, you know, <laughs> That's we, one way to do it, right. Yeah, oh, that always works, man. Just give some, hand somebody a hundred-dollar bill, they're going to listen to you, you know what I mean? And anyway, we managed to send some lawyers to Mexico City where they went to the Mexican FCC and they and, and we got rid of this one receiver, this guy Montez, and we pointed our own receiver and they appointed me the U.S. representative. And that's when Wolfman Jack was born at 12 midnight on that station. 
See, then the next day when I finally got the receivership in and I was appointed the U.S. representative of the station, then it was in my hands. And I went to the preachers who were on the air at that time, and I said, Hi, uh, this Bob Smith here. You listen, Reverend Jessup. Uh, if you want to be on the air tomorrow night, you're going to have to send me at least three months in advance, and I think you're playing about ten grand a month. So uh, you'd have to send me $30,000 here. i got to receive it this afternoon, otherwise you don't go on the air the next day. Well, he said, yeah, right, and he hung up the telephone on me. Well, that night, I put Wolfman Jack on the air from 7 until about 4 o'clock in the morning. I had a hell of a time. Here I am, you know, 250,000 watts on this big border blast, and they're just playing rhythm and blues all night. Well, then the next day, I went back to the preacher. I said, hello, Reverend Jessup. It's old me again, and uh, listen, man, I'm going to ask you one more time. you got to send me that money, that 30 grand. Otherwise, you ain't going to hear yourself on the station no more. I'll have to find somebody else to buy this radio time. Oh, yeah, Reverend Smith, how are you? Certainly good to hear from you again. Listen, where do you want me to send that? So we don't want to hear that devil creature on the air again. We definitely <laughs> want to get ourselves back on the air. Oh, Western Union? Oh, right away. Well, I collected about $350,000, bam, like that. Stuck it in the back of my Starfire Oldsmobile convertible, and I sent this guy, Larry Brandon, back to Shreveport with about half the money. I took the other money, went back into Mexico, started greasing everybody, you know, and taking care of, you know, buying a new car for this guy and, and taking care of this guy's new baby birth and fixing up this guy's house. So everybody loved the Wolfman. I said, oh, we love having the Wolfman on the air here. Man, that's a heck of a way to start a career. Well, that's the way it started. Is that's amazing? It's all in uh, the new book. Have all in mercy. The new book. Have mercy. Yep. And uh, boy, what a career! I, you know, I think the one scene you were well, you're in throughout American Graffiti, but the end of the movie, and if you haven't seen it, you got to go see it. I don't want to give it away, but Richard Dreyfus finally visits this guy who's been entertaining all the guys and the gals who've been cruising all night, and they see the Wolfman who. Actually, he's a little bit lonely, and it's quiet, and although everyone else is rocking and partying to your music all night long, being the disc jockey is not always all that much fun. There's kind of a facade out there, and I thought that said more about being a disc jockey. Oh, man, sometimes a lot of, a lot of lonely hours. But, you know, the thing is, if, if you really love what you're doing, you know, when you make that communication with those folks out there, and you really got a groove going, and you're really playing your own music, you know, and you're able to segue that stuff together so it creates these subliminal thoughts in those people's heads. You know, if you stay with me for like 15 minutes, I would create a thing where I'd reach a crescendo and always bring little happiness tears to your eyes, give you a great moment, you know? They uh, they uh, gave you $3,000 for your appearance for that movie, but then uh, took care of you afterwards. You want to explain that real quickly? Well, it's a funny thing, man. I, I spent a lot of time with George Lucas when we, we did the music tracks for it, you know, because... He wanted to clear all the music, just a one-time payment, you know, so that he wouldn't have to keep paying, you know, as the movie ran. And uh, that was probably the biggest expense for the whole movie, because I think he shot the movie for about 150 grand, and uh, then he spent about $350,000 clearing the music. And I spent a lot of time helping him do that. I called the different people that I knew, and we got the best records and the best music we could for the, for the movie. And then he was, we spent a lot of time, I, I used to record all my phone calls with people. I still got a ton of them. And uh, he would go through all the phone calls and pick the right ones for the different moments he had in the, in, in, in the picture. And 
Well, anyway, like you say, I got paid three thousand dollars to do my little bit in the movie and that little scene that I did, and the rest of the stuff that I did for him. And then the movie came out, became a big hit. It was lines around the block, and I got a contract in the mail, which gave me a piece of the movie. So every now, about every quarterly, I get a nice fat check from the American graffiti folks, you know, the Universal people, because they sell a lot of they sell a whole lot of video cassettes now too. So it's very nice, and he's a he's a hell of a man, that George Lucas. Wolfman Jack, our guest on the morning meeting, four three six seven nine hundred. 1-800-925-1120. You used to listen to him, or maybe you saw him on the Midnight Special. Talk to the Wolfman. Charlie Brennan, as part of the morning meeting, his interview with the legendary Wolfman Jack, ahead of his autobiography, the book that came out. Depending on how you look at it, it's unfortunate that he really didn't live much longer after the autobiography was published. But in a way, I guess we're grateful that those memories were preserved, one of the greatest radio disc jockeys of all time. And it's also a great tie-in that Charlie Brennan, as part of the morning meeting, had that opportunity to talk to him, interview him over the phone just a few weeks before he passed in 1995. Wolfman Jack would have turned 83 years old today. This is Wolfman Wrecker, Overnight America, KMOX, baby. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Welcome back to Overnight America, and we have a uh, big show uh, still planned. In next hour, we're going to talk to someone that's part of the council for the New Civil Liberties Alliance, and he wants to mention the power of the CDC. What's an overreach and what's not? Some of the things that are being directed through the CDC, is it even legal? So we'll uh, talk to them about that. And Dr. Jesty is joining us, too, author of a book called Wiser, The Scientific Roots of Wisdom, Compassion, and What Makes Us Good. I have to apologize to him as soon as we get him on the line. I screwed up the time zones. Uh, we technically booked him for 8.30. In my mind, I thought it was 9.30 because I was trying to adjust for Eastern time. So he called in at 8.30, and then all of a sudden, we're doing the Wolfman Jack interview. And luckily, he said, well, we can reschedule to 930. And I'm so glad he decided to do that because I was really looking forward to talking to him. So uh, Dr. Jesty is joining us in the next hour. I wanted to bring up this one story that came up. And some stations are carrying this. I saw this originally on Twitter. There was a reporter that pointed out that on Donald Trump's desk, there was this wooden box with a little red button. And some people wondered what that was all about. Oh, there it is, a little wooden box. It kind of looked, the only way I can explain it, it looks like almost um, a a wooden cigar box, the ones that are longer as opposed to wider. Some people uh, may see that and wonder. But, you know, of course, Donald Trump didn't drink or smoke or do that. So what could that little box be? Apparently, when he would push the button, a butler would come in and hand him a Diet Coke. (laughs) He had a Diet Coke button. Okay, I get that. I mean, if you're working at a desk and you're working all day and you're the president of the United States and you want a Diet Coke, they bring you a Diet Coke. Now, if I was in a position, like let's say I was at the radio station and all of a sudden this show was huge and we were syndicated and we were as big as Rush Limbaugh or we were as big as Brian Kilmeade or any of those shows, one of the things I think I would demand, I would demand a button and whenever I would push it, I would demand that they would bring me a cup of coffee. I would ask for that in my contract, honestly. 
So the button's gone and they make this big deal like, oh, Biden got rid of the Diet Coke button. I'm just going to guess when they were rearranging the office and changing it to the way Joe Biden wanted it. They just didn't reinstall it. I'm guessing if Biden wants something like that, he can have it, right? I just think that's something else. All right. I saw this whole nother story. Kevin Klein did another great write-up on a story about an 11-year-old who was being honored. It began on a hot Saturday this past August in North St. Louis. 11-year-old Jaden Groves was with his family in the Hyde Park neighborhood, a family gathering, when he looked around and noticed his 22-month-old toddler brother, Josiah, was missing. We we was um having a family car wash. I noticed that he was gone, so I I I, I know that he liked to play in water and swim. So I went over to the water and I saw him. Now you had to run to the nearby pond at Hyde Park. Yes. What were you thinking when you as you were running over there? I was like, I hope he don't be in here. I was like, I hope he don't be in this water. Had he been in the Hyde Park pond before? No, that was his first time. So what made you think that he might be in the pond of all places? Cause he he likes swimming. He he like act like he's swimming when he in the at home in the tub, and I just knew. Do you ever wonder what led you to go to the pond? Sometimes. Do you ever think like God or an angel or something? Your brother calling out to you. What what made you go to the pond and not someplace else? I don't. I, I really don't know. But once you got there, what did you see? I saw my brother laying face down, floating. Oh boy, that must have been the worst feeling ever. Yeah. What did you do? I gra- I gra- I got in there and I grabbed him out. Was the water cold and deep, or what was it like in that? Pool? Like three feet. So did you have to swim, or did you walk over to him? He was like he was like right by the edge. So you got in the water, and then what happened? Yeah, I put like one foot in, and I grabbed him out. Uh, when you first got him out, and you had him on the grass, did you talk to him, or slap him, or try to wake him up? No. Could you tell that he was in trouble? Yeah, his face was like pale. I, I ran over to my family then. That's when my my auntie, she started doing CPR on my older cousin. And that didn't work? No, so I went, I, before even before they started doing it, they was like, called the police, and I just ran to the fire department. How far was that to run? It was, it was not that far. It was like down the street. And they were able to save his life? Yes. You got this award today because, really, if it wasn't for you, your, bro- your brother would be dead. Uh-huh. How do you think about that? I think about like it's crazy. I never knew this would happen. How old is your brother now? Two. Is that him there? Yeah, Josiah. Come here. <laughs> and do you ever tell him, hey, I saved your life. Let me uh, have the last piece of cake or anything like that? No. How do you think this will affect your relationship as you grow up? It's going to be, it's going to like have a, a strong relationship. Have you ever heard the old Chinese proverb that if you save someone's life, you're responsible for their life for the rest of your life? No, I never heard that. That's 11-year-old Jaden Groves who saved his brother Josiah's life. With a whole other story, I'm Kevin Killeen. Wow, talking proverbs with a 11-year-old. Just wonderful. Don't go anywhere. We'll take a look at your news coming up next on Overnight America KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.